Hello and welcome to Code You Australia Part 5A of Moving Your Medical Career to Australia. I'm Dr. Caroline. I'm Dr. Sasha. And we help doctors revive, survive and thrive in their medical careers. So part five of our series is all about how do you get general registration? So at this point, you got your foot in the door and you got a job, limited or provisional registration, but how do you actually obtain general registration? It's a little bit more complicated than what I thought it was and I'm sure what anyone else out there thinks it is. I was absolutely clueless. Absolutely clueless. We all are. I had no... I mean, you know the main things that everyone talks about. You know MC1, you know MC2, and you know WBA. You don't know all these other little intricacies that APRA needs for the general registration to actually be granted to you. Yeah. So, you basically sign your contract and you're like, I'm going to be fine. I'll just work and then I'll make sure I do my MC2 if you haven't already done it or my WBA and then I'll apply for general registration. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's it. Signed, sealed, delivered. Yes. And this is why we always say that getting your foot in the door, you think like, oh, it's such a relief. I'm finally made it. But you've got different problems now mm-hmm. and you've got to be ahead of those problems to play the game and to win your general registration. It really is. Like that is the end goal. Yes, that, that absolutely. Is it. Once yep. you've got general registration, it's like that's your ticket. You're on it. That's an even playing field for you now. You can go into training. You can get permanent residency. It's really just just opens up all the doors. Yeah, so that's why um, this part of the series is super important because you need that golden ticket at the end, but you also need to know what you need to do to get it and also what issues you might, you know, um, face. So um, part 5A specifically is talking about the 47 weeks of supervised practice that you'll need to get your general registration. So like just to summarise... To get your general general registration, you need some form of a clinical exam. So whether it's the AMC2 or your WBA. And um, if you already got your AMC2 before you landed the job, fantastic. All you'll need is this 47 weeks of supervised practice. And if you haven't, if you just have AMC1, then what you'll need is 47 weeks of supervised practice and your WBA or AMC too. And it doesn't have to be one after the other. You can actually do these both at the same time. So what is this 47 weeks um, that the AMC talks about? So 47 weeks of full-time supervised practice means that when you're given, for example, a one-year contract, you will need to work 47 weeks full-time, not in a part-time capacity, of the 52 weeks in a year so if you do the math that gives you about five weeks of annual leave to take a break and enjoy a holiday and hey if you get given five weeks of annual leave (laughs) you never ever leave that hospital if you are that lucky if If they offer you five weeks you die at that hospital yeah you you stay there forever and ever and ever that is amazing consultant (laughs) that is not that easy to get So the AMC then goes further to say, now in those 47 weeks, we want a minimum of 10 weeks medicine, 10 weeks surgery and eight weeks of emergency medicine. The rest of the weeks, which is about 28 weeks, you can do whatever the hospital gives you. It doesn't matter. So you can go do pediatrics, you can go to orthopedics. They don't care. They just want the 10 weeks of medicine, surgery and eight weeks of emergency medicine. However, 
they also say on their website, and I'm going to provide a link to this part of the website because you might want to read it for yourself, where the AMC states that it can um, be flexible on this because it understands that a hospital may be limited with the rotations it is able to provide you. So for example, they might not be able to give you 10 weeks of medicine. They might be giving you a one year in an emergency medicine contract instead. And as an IMG coming into a new system, you really don't have a lot of choice. Like you can't be making demands like I want one, two and three rotations. I want this, this and this. Like they're not going to give you a job if you like that. So you actually, a lot of IMGs are just taking what they can get to get their foot in the door. And that's the right thing to do. That's 100% the right thing to do. If you're a brand new IMG and you just need to get your foot in the door to get Australian healthcare experience, you're going to just take whatever they can give you. However, if you're, um, I know of an IMG that got four job offers, somebody that follows us. And that's pretty... F- wow. Yeah, four job offers. That's amazing. And um, so if you're in that... Spoiled if, for choice. Yeah, if you're in that boat, then definitely choose... Um, this is where it's good to listen to this podcast and know what are your requirements that AMC need from you. And then you can negotiate with the hospital and see which one will actually give you those 10 weeks of medicine, 10 weeks of surgery, eight weeks of emergency medicine. And a lot so, of the understaffed hospitals actually can't afford to take people, you know, give people... 10 weeks of a certain rotation when they need you somewhere else. So that's right. You might not, you're not guaranteed to get these weeks if you ask for them. No. So the AMC says on their website that we understand that some hospitals cannot provide this. So at the AMC, we want to be flexible, uh, which means that if you go, for example, one year into the emergency medicine department, this is an example, or if you say you do one year of pediatrics, mm. we can still count that as your 47 weeks of full time practice if. If, and this is the big if that we need to talk about, if the director of the clinical training of that department and that unit, so in this case, let's give the emergency medicine example, so be the head of emergency medicine, if they can write a letter endorsing you, saying that they believe that you're up to standard of an intern level, because that's what the AMC really wants to know, are you up to standard? And also they have to fill out like a end of term assessment and you've had to pass your end of term assessment. So if they can do that at the end of the year, you can go ahead and apply for general registration if you already have done your clinical exams as well. But here is the issue. When you take a job, they will say to you, yep, 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 we can definitely do that I for you. Promise the world for yep. you. Yep. Um, especially like, you know, they're desperate to have doctors in ED. Yeah, come to ED for a whole year. We can do that. We can write a letter to the to the AMC for you um, at the end that you've satisfied the 47 weeks of supervised practice just by being in ED alone. Um, this is the issue here. You're really relying on that person to do that for you. And if throughout that year they've been unhappy with your work and they're not confident to write that they're not going to and then guess what you've worked a whole year and it's not going to count to your 47 weeks of supervised practice only eight weeks of that emergency medicine portion will count not the 40 not the 47 to 52 weeks you've been working so um is it a riskier option? Absolutely. Definitely. Would I decline a job offer? If that was the only job offer at my feet, would I decline it? Absolutely not. No, because it's still an option. It's still an option. There's a possibility. Yeah. So what I would say for the people that are in this situation is just go in with the mindset that if this is your only job offer, sure, take it. But if it's not, go to go for the one that is going to provide those 10 weeks of medicine, 10 weeks of surgery, and 8 weeks of emergency medicine because it's far less risky. And if you think it's difficult for you to get a letter endorsing you for these rotations in ED, 
you can only imagine how much tougher it is if you go into a surgical specialty for a year. Like if they say, oh, come work as a urology registrar for a year. You can understand how difficult it will be to find a consultant that's willing to endorse you to say, yep, he's confident in medicine, confident in um you know, ED, Le- yep. like when you haven't actually worked in That's that right. capacity. So yeah. you're really going to, like ED is a special case because your consultants actually do see you deal with medical cases, with surgical um, cases, surgical cases yeah. and ED. Whereas in urology, your consultant will never see you deal with like just general emergency medicine and general medicine ever. Yeah, yeah that's right. So it is it is definitely trickier. So um, I guess my recommendation to this sort of person is if it's the only job offer at the table, take it, work a year. And if they're not, if they're not willing to sign the form that says like, yep, or write you a letter that endorses you at that point, what you need to do is then say, look, I need the following rotations for the next year. And I need 10 weeks of medicine and 10 weeks of surgery and eight weeks of ED. And if they're not willing to give it to you at this point, you now you're an IMG with your foot's in the door. You've already got APA registration and now any other hospital in Australia that relies heavily on IMGs and there's plenty out there will take you in a heartbeat because you've got Australian healthcare experience. So they rather take an IMG with Australian healthcare experience any day over a brand new IMG. And the good thing about this is that when changing hospitals, once you already have registration with APRA, whether it's limited or provisional, it doesn't matter. Now, when you change hospitals, all that APRA needs is a change of circumstance form. So it's like really just one form. Yeah, the admin is just much smoother. The admin is Mm. so simple and it gets done within like four weeks. So you can already see how attractive you become. Yeah. Your admin is smoother. The admin staff are not going to have to do much for you. You already know the Australian healthcare system. You already know sort of you've been orientated as to all the little different um, idiosyncrasies of that system. Yeah. So really you become just so much easier to onboard. That's right. That's brand new. Because a lot of IMGs will stay at a hospital and keep begging for these rotations, Mm. thinking that they cannot go anywhere else. Oh, because I've only got limited provisional registration. But I'm letting you know that, no, you've got other (laughs) options and play it to your advantage. So if you know by the second year at that hospital, you're not going to get those rotations. And by the end of that first year, they're not willing to endorse you for those 47 weeks of supervised practice. Go somewhere else. And, and go somewhere else where they offer you those rotations and take up that job offer. So that's really important. Um, so just want to summarize that you don't necessarily need 10 weeks of medicine and surgery and eight weeks of ED, but it's far less risky if you go down that pathway versus say a whole year in one department or one unit. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So how do you prove to the AMC that not only have you done 47 weeks of full-time, practice but also you've passed those 47 weeks so especially let's give the example that you've done 10 weeks of medicine 10 weeks of surgery eight weeks of ed how do you prove that you were competent and the hospital was happy with you after those 10 weeks now whether you're a local doctor or a img everyone fills out especially if you're an intern you fill out a midterm and an end of term assessment and as you become a you know, a resident PGY two, three, you're only really required to do an end of term assessment. But for all brand new IMGs, especially the ones that are on level one supervision, you still need a midterm and an end of term. I personally would always still get a midterm. Even I personally if, still do. Yes. Yeah. Even if I don't need it, I still do because I, the reason for that is um, I like to identify issues early. So 
a midterm. So it depends on the hospital. Some hospitals have 10-week terms. Some hospitals have 13-week terms. So in this case, let's say a 10-week term, at five-week mark, you'd submit the midterm assessment form. And um, then you will, the senior doctor ideally needs to be a consultant, but appreciate that some rotations like surgery, you'll never ever see your consultant. So you'll give it to the next senior doctor, which will be like advanced trainee or your registrar. And um, even if you do get it in the hands of the consultant, those are not the people that know you the best. No, work, So they wouldn't be able to really tell you know, they wouldn't be able to score you appropriately. No, absolutely not. Not without speaking to their team either. So um, you get them to fill it out and then they actually need to, we're going to talk about this very soon and go into more detail, but they can identify issues with you early enough. And the reason being like, if you fail your midterm, it doesn't mean you failed your term, but if you fail your end of term, yes, you failed your term. So then you didn't satisfy. So if I failed my 10 weeks of medicine, I did not pass my medicine rotation. So even though let's say I've done my 47 weeks of practice, 10 weeks, which is the medicine part, I failed. It doesn't count anymore. And I have to do more Mm. medicine, if that makes sense. Repeat the term. So your midterm assessment is kind of like a trial run. It is a trial run. How you are doing in the rotation. Um, And then you can adjust your practice accordingly so that you actually past the end of term you don't need to repeat those 10 weeks again yeah that's right and the thing is a lot of IMGs will not especially brand new IMGs so this is their first rotation they're on they won't submit the midterm because they think it's way too early to be assessed but this is the best time because you need to identify issues early on rather than if it's at the end of the term it's not actually fair on you that oh well if I knew I was doing this badly or if that my referrals need some work on why didn't anyone tell me I would have tried to do better so I could have passed and so yeah I found as well in Australia it's very difficult to actually get feedback without asking because no one says to you you suck yeah like whereas in other countries and certainly where i was from the consultants would literally look you in the eye and say you are not up to standard you need to do better yeah and whereas here it's like they're a lot more softer with you so they really worry about you know bringing people down yeah so if you don't ask for the feedback you won't get it and you won't correct it yeah here they just sort of do it behind your back (laughs) they really do it's more passive aggressive so i don't know what's worse they won't tell you so that you can (laughs) fix it they'll just talk about you behind your back uh, (laughs) unfortunately they they will um i know that's sad but that's the truth um so so that's why it's really important to do these assessments early definitely hand in that midterm assessment um, okay, so let's talk about what's in these assessments and what do you need What do you need to demonstrate to pass? Um, because if you pass them, then you can prove to the AMC that you've passed your 10 weeks of medicine, 10 weeks of surge, so forth. Okay, so I've got a link in the caption to the AMC term assessment form. Now, it's not specific to any hospital. All the hospitals use this. They might have their own logo on it, but it's actually the exact same thing. So let's go through it together. So there are four domains in this term assessment. And just to clarify, the midterm assessment and the end of the term assessment are the exact same form. It's just yeah. one, the date on it is just the midterm and end of term. Well, but that's a the benefit. Exact the exact yeah. same way of assessing. So That's right. Yeah. yeah. So this is the domains that the AMC asks the hospitals to assess their doctors if they're up to standard. So domain one is science and scholarship. The intern as a scientist and a scholar. Um, and this this is, I'm reading off the intern form, but the resident one is exactly the same. So let's just say the junior doctor as a scientist and a scholar. 
So they ask the knowledge, so test on the knowledge. Um, and I'm just going to give you, uh, in, in, you know, an example here. Consolidate, expand and apply knowledge of pathology, clinical features, natural history and prognosis of common and important presentations at all stages of life. The domain two is clinical practice, the doctor as a practitioner. And there's a few in here. There's gonna, they're going to assess patient safety, communication, patient assessment, um, investigations, their procedures, patient management, prescribing, emergency care, and information management. Wow, what a huge amount umbrellaed under one term. <laughs> it is, yeah. And domain three is health and society. The doctor as a health advocate. I don't know why I'm putting this very prestigious voice on, but I just I feel. Also <laughs> but I feel like the person writing was like, "How is the doctor as a health advocate?" It's probably the same person that wrote the AMC stuff. He really <laughs> is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then they ask about population health. They're going to assess you on that. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health, which is our indigenous population here. Comorbidities, quality assurance, and that's domain three. Then the domain four is professionalism and leadership. The doctor as a professional and leader. <laughs> I have to commit to this. Now, I know Sasha. you've already I've committed. Gone, I, I know. I cannot stop. It has to. I've I done know. it for the start. Just gotta see it. Can through. it end here though? <laughs> I think well, it's the last domain. It can. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> um, so there's professionalism, self management, self education, clinical responsibility, teamwork, time management, and that's domain and then they ask for like a global rating so is this doctor satisfactory so they've met and exceeded performance expectations in the term are they borderline so further information assessment or um, sort of mediation may be required or are they unsatisfactory but so I really want any prospective IMG to come like to go to the website and have a look at this so please click on the link below because it's really important this is going to be the make or break to get your general registration and have a look. So there's, there is five ratings, one to five. Anything equal to a three and above is your up to standard. Like satisfactory. Satisfactory. So if you're five, you're amazing. Mm. If you're three, like, yeah, you've passed and no one's going to ask you questions. Anything below a three, you are unsatisfactory. So you mm. haven't passed. Now, that's why it's really important to know because as an IMG, I definitely, when I got this form filled out for the first time, I didn't know what these numbers meant. So luckily I never got a two because I never would have even questioned it. I'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever. That's something for me to work on. That's but actually true. They don't I, tell you that. Hey? No, they don't. Like, Is it written I, on the form? It probably is and I never read it. I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> like most doctors. Yeah, actually um, it kind of is. Uh, <laughs> it's probably so blatant when, in yeah. caps. Um, pretty much. So it says actually instructions for supervisors. Um, one of the instructions is when the doctors assign ratings of one or two for more for more for one or more items they need to do a performance action plan oh i see yeah. so it okay. actually is written here but so you really can't fail more than one or two yeah. of those domains yeah because basically you need to be for all these domains you need to be at standard so that's a three hmm. so if you're not at standard it and means that's a low bar it yeah it is a low bar like just to be like satisfactory you don't have to be exceedingly excellent no. to pass yeah personally i never really i just cared about passing i didn't really I didn't even know what a pass was at the time, but mm. I just cared like about passing. I didn't really need to like get a five, if that made sense. Do you know what I've me. just learned from you reading that out? I'm shocked at how broad the category goes. Yeah. Like it'll be a heading and then about 50 skills listed under each domain. And, and does the senior doctor ever really see you no. in, in all those skills? No. no. That's so right. That's crazy. So it's actually not a truly fair assessment, but 
you need it. Look, you need it and you need <laughs> it to play the game and you need it to get your registration. So here are some issues uh, that can come across with this um, this assessment form. And this is why like having us telling you because we've done these mistakes or we've seen these mistakes and telling you what to do to rectify it is so helpful because you, I promise you if you're um, a new IMG, you're going to come across one of these issues. And now like you'll know what to do about it. So one, the issue with getting your midterm or end of term assessment, who fills it out? So as I mentioned, you need a consultant to fill it out, but some rotations you never see your consultant and they don't even know who you are. So in that case, who (laughs) fills it out? It will be a registrar or, you know, or advanced trainee, but a registrar at the bare minimum. It cannot be another junior doctor. Now, it is really hard because sometimes the registrars also don't really know you or haven't spent time to get to know you. So that can that's where it can make the the actual form very tricky because the person filling out has so much weight to make or break your career. And if they don't know you, um, they're not going to actually say to you, well, I There's don't know you. There's also like a hundred things that they need There's to have, yeah, uh, yeah. have an assessment for. <laughs> so that's a problem in itself. So what I would say is make sure that you hand it to the person, the senior doctor that knows you best. That's what I would say. And I think as well, if you have um, a certain amount of uh, registrars that you're working under, be careful who you hand it to. Yeah. Make sure it gets in the hands of someone that you really feel understands like your practice and knows your worth and has given possibly given you good feedback before. Yeah. Um, yeah you don't want to get someone that really doesn't, hasn't seen you at your best. No, no. Look, I've only ever, so of all the rotations I've done and worked in, only one unit, oh, sorry, two, is by far the fairest. So I am in ED and in obstetrics and gynae, all the registrars and consultants sat down together and did the forms all together. And they sat down, they're like, all right, let's pull up Caroline. What does everyone think about Caroline? And everyone gave their two cents. Mm. And it was, so if one person had a negative experience with me. So good. (laughs) This is just hypothetical, guys. No one has a negative experience. (laughs) No one's ever had a negative experience with Caroline. Ever. (laughs) (laughs) I actually think though that's true. I don't know. I don't, well, no no one said it to my face, but that's the culture here. Um, So. You'll never know. I'll never know. But. Look, for the most part, like that's what I love about those rotations um, because it is a really fair assessment. So everyone sits together and gives their two cents and the consultants, even if they don't really know you, they listen to their registrars and they're listening to everybody, not just one person's perspective because that one person might hate your guts for whatever reason. Or might have seen you on a really bad day. Yeah, exactly. So they get everyone's perspective and then they fill out the form. So they also give you really amazing feedback. Yes, that's true. Yeah, but that actually isn't the norm. So it's only been two rotations I've been on that does that. Isn't that sad? That where the f- where you've given given great feedback? No, not that. No, where the registrars all sit together and the consultants, oh, yes. and it's a fair assessment. But that would take time. That would require oh, yes. people to all sit together in a in some space and take the time to go through each of the residents and junior doctors. Yes, I know. But guess what? This is going to lead me to my general registration. This that will make and break my life. So ano- take the time. But another thing that you need to learn, they don't care about don't you care. as right. an individual. They don't. Like you need to look out for yourself That's and right. your own prospects. 
They're not going to be like, you know what? What is the best thing we can do for Caroline to get her general registration? Let's have a fair assessment. You know what they think? They're like, hmm, how do we start this hospital in the most e- like economic way? Yeah. That's what they're thinking of. They're yeah. not thinking of you specifically. So you really have to advocate for yourself. Yeah. And that's why like you need to know that. So you know how the game is played and you know basically when you're being um, shafted <laughs> and really like stand up for yourself in the right moments. So that's pretty important about knowing getting the right person to fill out your form. Now, what happens if you don't um, agree with the assessment? Speak about advocating for yourself. This yeah. This follows right on. Yeah. So <laughs> you've, you've gotten this form and let's say you've gotten a two in an area. What should you do? So I'm going to give you an example of an IMG and I know this has happened to them. And I gave them some of my pearls of wisdom. Caro's. There she goes again. <laughs> This is why I'm so well liked. Um, (laughs) Caro's wisdom. Uh, So basically um, it was their first rotation and um, they got nothing but good feedback from their registrar and they've never had, um, they do a lot of referrals and they've never had an issue with other registrars from other teams saying, oh, that referral was really crappy. Quite the opposite. They've said, oh, your referrals are really good. Then it came to the uh, midterm assessment and they received the, their midterm assessment and in the section about referrals, they got a two. So that means they're below the standard. And so this IMG came to me and said, oh, this is what happened. What should I do? I said, do not sign the form yet. What I want you to do, I want you to go. So it was a registrar that did it. I want you to go to this registrar and I want you to word it like this. Oh, hi, so-and-so. Um, I just want to talk about this form that you filled out for me and just get some understanding on why you thought I was a two in this area because I've only ever gotten good feedback from you and I've only ever gotten good feedback from other registrars regarding my referrals. So if there's an area that I can improve on, can you please like talk to me about it? Now, what that does is it's professionally and in a mature way saying, listen here, buddy, (laughs) you have never, ever said anything bad about my referrals. Quite the opposite. So why have you done this? Because now you look stupid. Like you actually look like a silly person. For one, never ever telling me I have an issue. Saying quite the opposite. I'm quite good at referrals. But then going ahead and on my form and saying I'm below standard. And what do you think the registrar did? The registrar was actually very taken back. Because also they're not very used to junior doctors doing that here. Not because it's not allowed. But I just want you to remember that a lot of junior doctors, this is their first ever job in Australia, especially the local graduates. They're 23 or 22. It's their first job. They don't know if they should look up or look down. That's, that's Dare I say the local grads would probably have more confidence to approach them and oh, say, 100%. why do I get a two? Also, this would never really happen to a local grad. I wanted to say that, but yeah. then I wanted it's to be very more unlikely, <laughs> Very unlikely it happened to a local grad. Yeah. Because they're not, they're not, they have a mic, uh, they have a network. They have a, magnifying glass on the IMGs. Yes. So they're just waiting for you to mess up. Yes. That's what it feels like. Oh, well, yes. I have to agree with that. It really does. Um, it doesn't really happen with the locals. Um, a lot of these registrars are locals. So they've gone, they've gone to uni with these junior doctors. So it's just not the same. But um, so what that did, it put that registrar on the spot. The registrar was a bit taken back. But also the registrar could not defend themselves because they're like, well, yeah, you're right. I've, I've never ever said anything bad about your referrals. But And you know what that registrar said? 
No. Oh, one of your junior doctor co-workers was telling me that you're bad. So it wasn't even based off their senior there opinion. There are so How many problems. With that. With that. Know? Yeah. There are so many problems. First of all, didn't make his own opinion, then made an assessment of it that really carries a lot of weight in yeah. that person's life and oh, career. I know. Ridiculous. Secondly, took opinion from a junior doctor. Like, if you're going to take an opinion from someone else, it should be another senior that Absolutely. is overviewing that patient, or that person. Absolutely. So, here's the problem. And Crazy. I've always said this. Just because somebody's a registrar doesn't mean they know how to manage a team. Because in medicine, we don't teach people to manage teams. And also, being a senior doctor just comes with the more PGY experience you have. You don't need to do any extra courses. Like, how to run a team of junior doctors. How to be a more That's senior member. That's actually a really good point. Yeah, like any other industry would actually put their put their um people that they're scouting to be senior doctors like a registrar through extra courses to give them team building managerial skills. We don't so do that in medicine, so they're hopeless at it. So the problem that's with that, something that we should probably start moving towards though. Hey, hundred percent, hundred percent. Having good management skills is such yeah. a huge part of being a team here. And that's what I said to this IMG that this registrar, just because they're registrar, they're not God, mm. and doesn't mean they're actually good at managing a team. And what this registrar did was actually quite gutless, in my opinion. And so that's why when you when you when someone is a gutless and you face them, it really does test them mm. and they usually de- ruffles their feathers ruff- a ruffles their feathers but they tend to give in because mm. they do, they cannot they cannot put um money where their mouth is so they cannot back up mm. what they wrote on that and it's form. different if they really do believe that and yeah. they can back it up and say look i've heard you refer yes. patients over the phone and this is what i think i'm sorry i didn't say it at the time but i do think that you need to work on it fair it was a midterm assessment i would take the two and run with it 100%. i'd be like yes Good point. I will work on that. I'm 100%. sorry. I thought I was really good at it, but good point. Yes. I really respect those but registrars that back can up do your that. Claim. Yeah. A lot of registrars will just fill out the form poorly. And that, like you said, like that is ridiculous. If you, if you were questioning this person's referrals, you should have asked another senior doctor. If you ask another junior doctor, you might as well have the junior doctor fill out the form, which we know is not allowed by AMC. Mm. So exactly. um, the other thing I would recommend is... I personally, I don't really love having these conversations in person. The reason being, I like everything in writing. <laughs> so what I would have done is probably gone and seen paper this trail, per, paper trail, seen this registrar in person. But then I would have asked to, um, I would have then wrote, written an email to them saying, hi, thank you so much for today's conversation. I just want to confirm that you will do X, Y, Z, like rewrite the form. So what happened for this IMG was the the registrar could not defend themselves and basically saying it out loud like, oh, I listened to what the other co-worker junior doctor said. They knew they sounded very unfair, very unprofessional and silly. And so they rewrote the form and they said, well, it's true. I've never ever heard you say a bad referral um, and you're right. So they gave her a three and she passed the midterm. So you see, had she not questioned that registrar, she would have not passed that midterm. Not only that, but her confidence would have been shaken. 100%. And something that she thought she was competent in, she didn't, no one had ever given her bad feedback. And she's like, oh, well, actually, you know, something that I thought I was good at, I clearly am not good at. What other areas am I falling short on that I think I'm good, good enough and others yeah. probably don't? Yes. So, yeah. And you know what she actually said to me is that when she told other IMGs about this, they were like, just just accept it don't don't question it um don't ruffle any feathers like just take it and submit it and do better next time and that's that's a lot of that's typical IMG response where mm. we're like just just 
accept it, accept it, accept it. Don't, don't, don't upset mm. anybody because IMGs tend to think like if you do ruffle feathers, it's not going to work in your favor. Mm. There's, there's a way to ruffle feathers. There's Caro's way yeah. to ruffle feathers. There she goes again. See, there we go again. <laughs> no, but it's true. There yeah, is no, there's, there tactics is, to there's tactics, there's strategies to ruffle feathers in a respectful manner where you think you make that person feel so respected, but really what you're doing is saying, why would you do this? That is such mm. a silly, like, you know and especially when it's a decision that holds so much weight in your life and your projected career like you need to like back yourself like you need to uh, be able to approach people and let them back up what they've said about you but very make it very clear you don't back yourself up like for example going up to that register and saying um why did you give me this because you've never said anything negative and you know i don't believe i don't agree with this she like I made it very clear that you do not go there and say, I don't agree with this. Say, Mm. I would love to know like where this was coming from because I really want to improve. So if this is a genuine issue, I'd love to hear more about it from you. But I mean, you should approach it like that just because you don't know at the time that that registrar doesn't really believe that. Yes, that's right. So if it really is a problem, you want them to actually give you constructive criticism so that you can work on it. Yes. So you should never go there saying, I don't deserve this because maybe you do. Maybe you do. So that's the other part. So if, for example, um, in this case, you recognize that, yes, look, that is an area I'm bad at and you then agree with it, you have to, so there's a spot where the, the doctor who filled it out signs and then a spot where you sign after you receive your form back because it means if you signed it, you agree with the, with the um, assessment. That's such a good point. Like if you're going to dispute it, don't sign don't it. Don't sign like, it. I would have never thought yeah. to say that. And don't pre-sign the form. Like, yes, yes, never exactly. pre-sign the form. I mean, with any contract, never pre-sign the form. Um, so that's the other thing. So what happens if you they still say, no, you're, it's a two, you're below standard, but you still disagree? Well, you don't sign it. So at the end, all these forms, whether signed or not signed, go to your unit. So that if you're a junior doctor, go to the junior doctor unit and the director of clinical training has a look at them. And if you didn't sign it, the director of clinical training will ask you to come in for a meeting and just get your thoughts on why you disagree. Then the director of clinical training will ask the person that filled it out and said, why do you think there are two? Because they don't think there are two. And then they will try to work out, you know, that generally what they do is like, okay, how about I go to another registrar or the consultant and I get another senior member of the team's perspective on this individual. And if the other senior doctors agree with that registrar, your, your director of clinical training will accept the two. If other senior doctors do not, they will make another doctor fill it out. So they're generally quite fair mm. in this case. That is very fair. Yeah. Finding some common ground. Yeah. So um, that's really important. Now, what happens if you don't pass? Okay. So if you don't pass, if you do pass, you don't hear anything from it. It goes to the junior doctor unit or the director of clinical and training. And more importantly, those 10 weeks now count. The 10 weeks <laughs> count. So if you did pass, your 10 weeks of medicine count to your 47 weeks of supervised practice. So that's awesome. But if it didn't count, the director of clinical training is going to call you into their office and they're going to, um, at the back of the assessment form, you'll notice that there's an improving performance action plan. It's called an IPAP. And they're going to list, and I really want you to have a look at this form, they're going to list the areas that you or the domains that you were unsatisfactory in and they're going to come up with a plan for you on how to improve. So in this case, they might, like let's say your referrals were terrible and your cannulation was terrible. They're going to have a plan like I've got these resources for you. I want you to read these resources. Let's practice on your referrals. So 
come into my office or meet up with my med- medical education registrar and I want you to refer two patients to the medical education registrar and they'll give you feedback on it. Or your cannulation's terrible. We've got some workshops in the hospital. We're going to link you in with those. So they're going to I, they're going to create resources or provide training in the areas that you're, you're below standard. And then what you need to do you actually need to redo your 10 weeks of medicine. And if you pass that, then that counts to the 47 weeks of supervised practice. And I suppose it's not the end of the world. So don't beat yourself up about it if you have to repeat it. It's a really difficult thing to do. It's really difficult to come into a new healthcare system. And a lot, of, as I was telling Caroline earlier, in other countries, it's not like here where as a resident, you rotate again, you rotate through different specialties. Um, from other countries, we used to kind of finishing your internship and being in one specialty the whole time. So it might be really hard to go back to medicine or go back to surgery when you haven't done it in years. So don't be hard on yourself. Um, you do have the opportunity to try again. Yeah, absolutely. So, ju- but it just you just got to understand that you have to make sure you pass in these areas to apply. So just doing 47 weeks of working yes. does not count. It's 47 weeks of practice. Of satisfactory Satisfactory practice, practice perfectly yeah. said. So that's really, really important. And you got to understand, this is the biggest part of the pathway to general registration because there are so many people that can influence this part. So you change rotations maybe four times a year. You come across different registrars, different junior doctors. And unfortunately... The nature of medicine is that, look, some people are super competitive. They don't care what you've got to lose at the end of the day. They will ruin your reputation in that particular team so you get a bad assessment or they'll go out of their way to make your life difficult on that that unit so you're not doing that well. So this is why when we say to people, just because you got your foot in the door, now the hard work starts. It's not that easy to just think, oh, um, I got my foot in the door now. It's fine. I'm going to get my general registration. There are other things you need to always be aware of and be ahead of the game. So if you're coming across scenarios like this, you know exactly what to do and how to play the game back to make sure you're passing these rotations. And that's what I say to everyone as well. It's so um, easy to just say, okay, I'll do my AMC one. And in a way, it is easy. It's well structured and you just know you have this to study. You write an exam, you study. But converting AMC1 to general registration is so so much more difficult. It's so much more convoluted. Um, there's multiple pathways. There's multiple little clauses. Yeah. Lo- lots of fine print, lots of red tape. So it's really important to know all these little um, tips before you actually go in. Absolutely. So that is our part 5A, which is the pathway to general registration and talking about that 47 weeks of supervised practice now in the rest of this part five we talk about the other things you need for general registration so wba amc2 and even in our last part we have amc2 with a special guest someone who has cleared the amc2 exam and so some tips from them what they did that worked and what they recommend to anyone else that's attempting it Um, So if you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do type in code Australia in YouTube and make sure you're subscribing so you don't miss any of these videos when they get uploaded because you'll get alerted. Um, If you aren't already following code Australia on our socials, we have a Facebook, Instagram and a TikTok and we also have our podcast on Apple and Spotify. I'm Dr. Caroline. I'm Dr. Sasha. And we're from Code You Australia and hopefully we catch you in the next part. See you there. Bye.